Uh, so Luke, you live with someone, right? I do. I have there's someone I, I live with. I just mean that um, oftentimes when we're recording, I'll hear banging in the background, and I'll see this pale figure just kind of uh, whisper past the uh, past the webcam. So there's, it's, I feel mm. often like there's a presence. Yeah, in I was your about home. to say almost like a specter. There's a definitely. Um, I mean, even when I lived alone, there was a ghost in my house. <laughs> when I lived alone, is there a ghost in my house? I can sleep. I can. I could tell that was exactly where you were going. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes when we record, there seems to be this an extra presence, as you say, rattling pots and pans, opening and closing doors. It's a um, lot of doors. Sometimes there's a. Was it getting ice out of an ice tray once? Yeah. Sometimes it's flying airplanes just outside the window, as you can hear right now. Um, I, my my apartment might be haunted. Is that what you're saying, Evan? Yeah, but unrelated, this episode of Scooby Dudes, which is a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. May have a surprise. I mean, it's not a surprise, but there is a guest. Yeah, I mean, we've been teasing for a while that we're going to have a very special guest on. And you know what, listeners? Wait no longer. This is that episode um, where a real-life ghost that lives in my apartment is going to appear on air and prove that there is an afterlife. We're gonna bust it wide open here for you on the Scooby Dudes. Weird direction, but it's fine. Okay, dude, don't call my erection weird. I don't need that, man. <laughs> See, I really like how there's some head shaking going on over there. Like, no, 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 no. no. It's, it's, no, no, no. it's not normal. No, 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 your, your erection is weird, Luke. We are the Scooby Dudes. You're Evan. I'm Luke. We're best friends. We've got Scooby's Night with a Frozen Fright to talk about, an episode from the original. And I think we're going to have some real special insight for our very first episode with a guest. I'm very excited. I actually had an amazing time because we were recording this after the episode proper, so I can actually promise you this is going to be... Uh, yeah. An enjoyable listening experience. For the very first time, for one of the first times, we're telling you that it's going to be a good episode, and we know it's going to be a good episode. We're not just banking on it. So, uh, so listen in, enjoy, go watch the episode yourself first. Uh, what, else, what else can be said? Without... Don't. Luke, 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 come on. Come on, man. Without further... Uh, uh, delay... Uh... I do want to get into it. <laughs> I do want to say that I love you, Evan. And uh, man, we put out we put out a heck of an outro, don't we? Are we in the outro? No, we're still in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> this is now the outro. <laughs> but are you serious? I love this because I now have I now have two people I can bother with my deep deep seated unprofessionalism. What I really like is that we did not reveal who our guest was for that intro. So people are going to think that I have a woman's laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And that you're like a tube and throat singer. You can do two laughs at the same time. (laughs) Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, Mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. We're in. We're in on the very special episode, aren't we, Evan? 
Yeah, this is a very special episode. We've uh, we've got, um, I'd say probably the the biggest Scooby Doo fan that we've ever had on <laughs> on. I mean, it's our first guest, for for one thing. But still, but still the biggest Scooby Doo fan. Yep, huge. We've fan. ever had. Yeah, we ever, and I think we ever will have. That's the thing. Even though it's our first, we'll never have a bigger Scooby Doo fan than this. Even though we're about to have on just a bunch of experts and a bunch of uh, industry professions. And, and not only not only a Scooby-Doo fan in their own right, but someone with a lot of podcasting experience. Oh, a ton of podcasting experience. Someone who's been in the room for over 50 episodes, just recap episodes of Scooby-Doo podcasting, on top of a variety of uh, variety episodes. Before we introduce said guest, do you think that this is a bigger moment for me or for you? Uh, having this person on? Mm-hmm. Um... I think this is probably a bigger moment for you because you're more a fan of this person. Like, I think this person's <laughs> <laughs> this person's fine, but I, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 fine. <laughs> All right, I I wanna I wanna let you do the honors. Uh, I I will just say that this is our very first Ibtisode of Scooby Dudes because we have on uh, my wife. <laughs> 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 Please don't do that again. <laughs> Empty Sam is on the podcast with us today. Our for our fiftieth episode, we are having on uh, my my life partner and the love of my loins. Empty <laughs> really? Sam, is that really how you want to describe her? Is that how you want to be described? No, I, it's definitely not. The how question I want is, to be do I want to stop describing her that way just for this episode? And the answer is no. I'm gonna be real, man. Mm-mm. Have you ever Mm-mm. called? Has he ever called you that before? I have. Have you? <laughs> yes. At our wedding? Did you do not that? at our wedding, no. no. Definitely <laughs> not at your wedding. That's good. Okay, good. Uh, hey, everybody. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, th- hey, this is Ipti Sam. Ipti Sam, you are not just my life partner, but, a again, a lifelong fan of Scooby-Doo. I would say a Scooby-Doo expert. Mm. Uh, enthusiast. Uh, enthusiast, no enthusiast. doubt. Um, a bit of an industry professional. I mean, you've done some consulting work, some writing, a little mm. bit of voice acting. You've done, you've done it all. I don't like how we're, you're we're, setting we're, me up here. <laughs> you don't like the way we're framing you. Could you no. frame frame yourself relative to Scooby Doo? Because we aren't um, doing you justice. Yeah. So I have seen a little bit of Scooby Doo, not very much at all. Um, I'm not the biggest fan. I have to admit. Um, I don't think that. I think. I mean, because- you are you are very short though. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You're, so you're so you could be a bigger fan. Maybe, maybe. Oh, sorry. You're not the biggest Scooby-Doo fan, but you are the most enthusiastic and passionate by far. Is that what you were about to say? Not exactly. Okay, not exactly. Yeah. Vaguely. Not not the biggest fan. I didn't see a lot of it as a kid, and so I think that nostalgia part of Scooby-Doo is missing for me. So um, I think that's impacted how I feel about it now. So you just have the basic artistic appreciation. Like, I didn't see Casablanca as a kid, but I see it as an adult, and I'm like, oh, this is one of the greatest films of all time. Um, you know, I wouldn't even go that far. You'd go further? No. <laughs> Luke, do you think that a lot of kids have a fondness for Casablanca? <laughs> I think they do. I think a lot of us watch Casablanca as kids, and it's got a special place in our hearts because of that. That's why there are like six different Casablanca podcasts out there today. But no, if Sam, I th- part of the reason that I was excited to have you on, aside from the fact that we live together and we love each other, 
um, almost as much as Evan and I love each other. Almost. Um, ours is a less physical love, obviously, you and I, Ifty Sam. <laughs> but it's because you aren't a hardcore Scooby-Doo fan. You, you're giving us a bit more of the outsider's perspective this episode. Yeah, it was interesting watching this episode as an adult, I guess, is what I qualify as now. You know, um, like, different than how Evan and I watch the episodes. <laughs> no. But just, I don't think the last time I saw a Scooby-Doo episode was probably when I was maybe 10 or 11. So it's mm. been a while since I actually sat down and watched one. And I was hoping that I would really enjoy this one. Uh-oh. Um, I don't oh, know oh. if I did. <laughs> mm. And maybe well, that's your giving heart was away. in the right place. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm giving away too much right now, um, but what did you guys think about the episode overall? And th- if I can go first, this is perhaps the one episode we've done so far, Evan, that I, um, I have a distinct memory of as a kid. Like, I really, really remember the caveman in the ice block. By the way, it's Scooby's Night with a Frozen Fright. It's the Frozen Caveman episode, if that rings a bell from the original series. it I, I wanted to do this episode because I remember it fondly uh, from my childhood, although watching it, I realized I don't remember much. And you were, you were eager to then do an episode in which your partner tears it down. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought maybe we can go back in time and you can ruin what, my, what I used to like. How many sacred calves do I have that, uh, that she can slaughter for, uh, yeah. for mm-hmm. all of our mm-hmm. listeners? Oh. I think my very first thought watching this episode was, oh no, this is going to be so bad. And, but what was your very last thought <laughs> after the episode was done? You know, I, I thought it was okay. Um, High praise. <laughs> That's as good as anything gets for Ipti. You guys don't know her, but okay is her equivalent of as good as it gets. Yeah, has she ever called you okay? <laughs> I've, I've never been okay, I have to admit. Like, I, I've never been okay to her. I've been not bad. That's the best. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> so funny. I mean, that's what you, she said to you at your wedding. That was part of the vow. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I said, I love you. You're uh, the most incredible person to me. You make me want to be a better person every single day. And you said, you're not bad. You're not bad, yeah. No. And that was the first time you said those words to me. That's the moment <laughs> I, lo- I knew you loved me and we were going to go the distance. Two years into the relationship. Two years in, yeah. Yeah. And that has remained the nicest thing you've said to me since. <laughs> gosh this is off to a good start this is a great start yeah but it's very honest that's the important thing let's um so that's your overall impression of the episode you weren't crazy about it i have a lot of nostalgia going in so i obviously enjoyed it evan what was your uh, impression going into this episode i think this was also my first time watching it and as far as scooby-doo episodes this ranks as being like all right like it's not. So you think it's okay too. I also think it's okay. I mean, not yeah. not okay by your standards. <laughs> well, if Evan, okay is the worst you've ever spoken of a Scooby Doo episode. At our wedding, you told me, Luke, I think you're okay, and it was the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> that was a real roller coaster that day for you. That that day was something else. I, I didn't know what I was experiencing. But that that is interesting. You, did, you thought this episode was okay. I have to admit, aside from the nostalgia factor for me, this is not the strongest episode of Scooby Doo. So, do we want to do, like, our highlights and our lowlights? Yeah, I, I actually, I put together a brief summary just to give a, uh, a, a, uh, a writing room pitch of this episode, if I may. Um, Scooby's Night with a Frozen Fright. This is the original series, season two, episode three. Um, while having a beach party, the gang accidentally fishes up a frozen caveman. He's two million years old, was found in the Arctic, and fell off of a boat on its way to the Oceanland Research Facility. While uh, delivering the caveman, the gang uh, meet two professors and are quickly embroiled in an Ice Age mystery. 
The caveman obviously is gonna be melted. The gang is gonna discover some secrets and some clues, including giant footprints, an ocean shack ice machine, and at least 30 Scooby animal gags, and a million Scooby frustrated yelps, which I know Ifty Sam is gonna have some thoughts on. Highlights, lowlights, what, what do we think about early episode? There were definitely some very funny parts. One of the highlights for me was that um, Scooby and Shaggy are hiding behind a curtain, and the caveman stomps on Scooby's tail, and Scooby uh, yell, yelps, I guess, into a paper bag, <laughs> and then they sort of like wrap it up and hand it to the caveman. And then the cave—I first of all, the caveman gleefully stomping on Scooby's tail when he's chasing Scooby and Shaggy is just a yet another moment. I think you've overheard this a bit, Ifty Sam of animal abuse by <laughs> villains in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> this is a running theme. But I also, I love the, the warped physics gag of handing the paper bag filled with a yelp to the monster, and then when he opens it up, the yelp hits him. I, I really enjoyed that part too, but for slightly different reasons. Um, oh. I at first thought Scooby was oh. vomiting into the bag, <laughs> and I almost <laughs> threw up too because it was so gross. <laughs> so that part was very real. It really took me into the moment. Um, <laughs> probably the highlight of the episode. By the way, Ifty Sam, you, there is no higher praise from you than to vomit <laughs> in a movie. Yeah, I just, I love the idea of like, I'm in so much pain, I must. That's I must vomit I into yeah. a bag. It mm. made sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I think something else to, to pry it out of you, Ifty Sam, that I imagine you experienced here is Scooby's yelp was not your favorite thing. No. Nor was a lot of the, the yelping, crying, howling, growling action. I would say action. a majority of the voices <laughs> were, were not kind of grating to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, kind of uh, one issue I take with Scooby-Doo, at least the earlier versions, if this qualifies as an earlier version, this does I don't know for sure. Um, are a lot of the voices great on me, and my own voice grates on me, so... I yeah, I know, I hear you there, I agree yeah. completely. <laughs> um, and when it, not, not with you, actually. When it comes to this episode, I do think they, the yelping and growling and stuff is kind of grating on Scooby's part, but the thing that was more distinct to me was the caveman, mm. who, I mean, I guess, just to open that up to the room, what did you guys think of the caveman's growls and yelps and general vocal presence? I mean, I would say pretty standard for, like, an early Scooby-Doo monster, right? My, I felt like he wa he sounded not like he was trying to scare them, like, but like he was a frightened, scared child trapped in the body of a prehistoric man or something. Like he seemed. That's a very troubling interpretation. You know, <laughs> it, that. it was that I was not that I didn't want to have that interpretation, but that's what it seemed like. It seemed like he was scared and frustrated and confused the whole time, not trying to scare everybody. Like except for that one moment where he stomped Scooby's tail. The rest of it, he was like a bull in a china shop, scared and confused. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the caveman as the villain or the monster. How would you describe him physically, either of you guys? Desirable, undesirable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rate him one to ten. Let's get him on. Yeah, the this spectrum. is this is hot or not. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one answering this question, or are you guys? You're the main one too? answering this question. <laughs> How does he stack up against me? <laughs> I would say for his time, probably a, a, wow. an eight. <laughs> probably an eight. Well, for two million years ago. Well, how would I be two million years ago? What would <laughs> You'd I, be a ten. I'd be a ten. For sure. Oh, nice. Yeah, hands All right. down. What? Okay, that cannot possibly be true. <laughs> well, I feel like two million years ago, you're looking at maybe no teeth or very rotten teeth and poor hygiene. You're looking at flesh eyebrows. <laughs> flesh, okay, yes. Which is not, not the sexiest thing to you, no, I imagine. No, flesh eyebrows. That really did gross me out about the caveman. Um, they just didn't bother to color his eyebrows another well, um, shade. I, I, mean, I think that 
the th- they were trying to go for like a prominent brow, sh- right? Because he's like a Cro-Magnon man or something. Super orbital ridge. I looked it up. Is the term, and he has two distinct ones. I think mm. is the thing that makes it look weird. He doesn't have one big brow. He has like the two halves of it, mm. which look like f- flesh eyebrows. Um, I I wasn't sure if the depiction of the caveman was racist or not because technically he could be a different species, right? What do you think? Am I way off base on this? Um, I think cavemen are Neanderthals, mm. typically, and Neanderthals are a distinct species from Homo sapiens. Mm. And there's archaeological evidence to um, that hints that Homo sapiens and Neanderthals may have been in relationships or in contact with one another, but for the most part, like, distinct. Distinct species-wise, they can't inter- never could interbreed, but I do believe they did exist alongside each other, and there's strong evidence that we killed the Neanderthals. So that's maybe a little troubling. I don't know. But uh, the caveman is a, a dark-skinned, very heavy-set, growling, dark-haired kind of... I don't know, he's a little bestial. Is that a fair word to use for him? He's wearing a loincloth. He's holding a large club. Yeah, and he's frozen in a block of ice with, like, the club over his shoulder in the classic caveman stance. Like, he was just standing, posing for a photograph when <laughs> the room filled up with water and then froze. <laughs> I like that all cavemen were just portrayed as being, like, very jaunty fellows. You know, like, they yeah. all had the club over the shoulder. That's what I was thinking, too, because anytime an actual, like, frozen uh, body of a prehistoric person shows up, they're invariably curled up in the fetal position because they were trying to preserve <laughs> oh their warmth God. as life left their bodies. So it is. So I see why they didn't do that here. Did you guys see, this is a little off topic, but connected, um, that one, they discovered someone in Pompeii, someone who had, like, survived the flames, like, they didn't die from the lava, but, like, a large piece of building had, like, struck them and killed them. Oh, my gosh. No, I didn't see, is this the person, like, the Pompeii body that was found? Not that uh, guy. Not that person. Okay, no, never mind. (laughs) Uh, there was a a body in Pompeii that was found frozen in an act of self-love. Uh, <laughs> in the moment of presumed demise. Well, um, I, I don't think else. in the moment, to me, that was never in the moment of presumed demise. To me, that was like, well, I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well die. Okay, here's <laughs> a little off-topic question. Did that person die happy or wanting, do you think? Oh, wait, you're asking me if I think... Did this person make it? They got to where they needed to go. Yeah, did they? did they beat the clock, as it were? <laughs> Going super fast. <laughs> As they were beating their clock. <laughs> uh, I I um, hope he, so. That's my answer. I like to think so. This might not make it to the final cut. I this might not. be one of those moments. <laughs> here's here's one last thing I want to say about the treatment of the caveman, at least to start. Uh, they're all really mean to him, even before he's uh, uh, melted from the ice. They're Daphne, awful. They're yeah. awful. Daphne calls him a creep while he's still just a frozen relic from the past. Once he is out, Fred calls him um, uh, big and ugly, separate from any of his behavior. Just that's a, that's an appearance insult. Yeah. You know what? That's not inaccurate. Uh, wow, Evan. Wow. You guys were both roasting this guy for his flesh eyebrows, and now you want to come to his defense? I don't know. I feel like flesh eyebrow. He, you're right. Yeah, it's a double standard. It's not fair of me. To a, a couple of points, I wanna I wanna hit. I like that this episode begins and ends with dancing. 
Um, it feels very of the time. I, I mean, right? Like, it, it starts out with the gang at the beach, and they're all having like a beach dance, and it ends with them at a malt shop having a beat, having mm. a like Sh Sh Shaggy and uh, Velma dancing. It feels very of the it time. Is, it's definitely very timely mm. because people don't dance anymore. Yeah, no, it just doesn't happen. Uh, thanks, Evan. Thanks for coming to my <laughs> thought. Like, oh, whew, I thought I was gonna be out on a limb there, but Evan came to rescue me. When was the last time the two of you danced? We, you were actually going to go I to a dance, going to dance today. after this today, but you canceled um, mm -hmm. because you've got a lot of other stuff going on, and I'm way too self-conscious to dance. Evan, do you dance? Do you ever dance? Yeah, I love dancing. Do you go to the club and dance, or do you dance in a malt shop or on the beach? Yeah, do you dance you on the beach while like your friends fishing? fish hot dogs out of your basket? <laughs> I don't like the way you phrased that. No. <laughs> By the way, that is a metaphor. That is very figurative. <laughs> um, no, my friends, uh, I had a friend who had a birthday party last, last Friday. at a, It's a bar in the front, and there's a dance floor in the back. And I was dancing, and it was great. I love, I really enjoy dancing, actually. Huh. Did this is you... funny. I've never gone dancing with you, Evan. I don't think I've ever even seen you dance. I mean, that's mostly, yeah, you're not accompanying me. It's not for lack of me doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I guess there are parts of your life I don't witness. Evan, did you say last, last Friday? Last, last Friday, yes. Okay. Cool. I just wasn't sure. That was a way what? to describe two weeks ago. Nope, it was definitely <laughs> last, it was last Friday. I thought you were okay. about to catch him in a lie. Like, <laughs> I thought last, last Friday you were visiting your dying mother. Your mom is in good health. I don't know why I went there. I'm sorry. Weird. I mean, I would have been more offended if you had said my grandfather, because the oh. chances of him dying I, are higher. I wanted to do something that wasn't real, but I said something that could have been. Anyways, um, I like that it begins that way. If Scooby, we find. Here's one thing is that Shaggy in the beginning of the episode fishes. Um, no, Scooby fishes a hot dog out of their own basket and is about to eat it, and then Shaggy steals the food from Scooby, which is kind of atypical. Normally, it's the other way around, but throughout this episode, Shaggy is the one getting the scoop on Scoob. This is something I actually had a question about, too, which maybe you guys can clear out for me. Um, I thought that Shaggy was vegetarian, or is that just later on in another series? Good point. I actually didn't think about this. Evan, do you want to take this? So, Casey Kasem, who voiced Shaggy was himself a vegetarian and he very firmly believed that his character should also be vegetarian and depending on the iteration i think some creators respect that and others kind of just forget about it oh, okay get to know yeah um and here maybe we could say it's like a turkey dog exactly yeah that yeah, that's so, very possible and that's a pretty generous interpretation but that's <laughs> what i'd say it was uh, to go along with shaggy being a jerk I've got a couple of notes on that. Did you guys pick up on that as well, or is this just me? I didn't think Shaggy was um, out of the ordinary this episode. The The food gag wasn't atypical, because Scooby does that to Shaggy as well, but the, the telephone gag was the one that stood out for me. When they find out that the caveman has been melted, and Shaggy's like, oh, we gotta call the sheriff, he grabs the phone, but, he, but the cord has been cut. And Sh Scooby's like, oh, the cord's been cut. But Shaggy ignores him, keeps trying to dial it, um, Scooby holding the cord rings like a telephone, and then Shaggy, who is already holding the receiver, grabs Scooby's snout as if it's another receiver, holds it up to his face, and when he gets no response, he throws Scooby away such that, like, Scooby tumbles. He chucks Scooby aside like, a, like refuse, like an old banana and peel. And then there was, like, the dun-dun, the SVU. Um. <laughs> it's almost that, and... On, on top of that, the way that ends is with Shaggy saying, like, Scooby, why didn't you tell me the cord was cut? 
Yeah, and Scooby's kind of exasperated, like, right here. Um, He doesn't say that, but that's, like, what he's... How he feels. He's, he's like, frustrated, understandably. And then the one last note I'll make on on Shaggy being mean to Scooby is that when they uh, see Dr. Ingstrom with his marine life device, and we'll get to that, um, they all say, like, oh, Scooby, you go investigate. And Shaggy says, yeah, because you're the only Scooby around here. Thank goodness. What the heck, Shaggy? (laughs) This is so mean. Right? I'm not alone. I can't be alone on that. I just didn't pick up on that stuff. I don't know. You just didn't care because you're like, man, this is Shaggy's the one person who's as mean to Scooby as I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's this. not true. <laughs> um, I just saw it as him being like, I don't want to do this. So it's a good thing you're the only person who they can pin this on. Yeah, I, I guess it just seems like a weird episode for me for Shaggy. On top of all that, he spends a lot of the episodes smiling, even in kind of scary situations. He doesn't feel consistently scaredy. Can we talk a little bit about the mystery, about the the caveman, and set that up a bit? Yeah, so, I mean, you're right. They start on the beach. I just want to mention this fun little... I mean, this was funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a groovy day for a beach party, Velma says in her turtleneck sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Does, am I making this up that that seemed like an overcast beach day? Yeah, it looked very gloomy. looked like a very gloomy beach day. Can you say that word again? Gloomy? No, what kind of... Well, how was the weather, in fact, not gloomy, the other word? Wait, which, I don't know which um, what word you're referring to now. <clears throat> um, overcast. Overcast. It was a very overcast. Overcast. Yeah, the weather is overcast. Over- <laughs> Dude, Sorry, this was a whole thing. You aren't with- <laughs> sure if that's a real term I'm using? <laughs> no, no, I know it's a real term. I know it's a real term. My friend Theo, who may or may not be listening to this episode, I don't know if he's, like, caught up. Um, would rag me about how I would say overcast. The way you pronounced it? <laughs> it's like you're saying overwatch. Yeah. That's the thing. Really That's all I can think of. The first time he said it, I'm like, it sounds like he's trying to say overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> like you wish you were saying overwatch, but you're obliged to end the word with cast. <laughs> the weather is overcast. You know what? I hope he doesn't listen to this episode because um, I would say overcast and he would say overcast. <laughs> and I'd be like, we're saying the same thing. This is the same word. It's a little overcast. <laughs> no, you're not. No. No, you're not. Also, by the way, what's what's my wife's name? I don't want to go into my this. My na- wife's I, name, Evan? Here's the thing. You just, oh, no. just say it once and we'll drop it. <laughs> I had planned to introduce the fact that I've known your wife. <laughs> Who? Wait, which? I've been married so many times, Evan. Which one? Which one, my friend? The most recent... Um, for years. I don't remember for my For so many reason. years. It's been like seven years, I think. That you've known of her? It's because it's been like five years, five years out of home. Right. And then I think we met while we were at home. Yeah, and I friended her on Facebook long before we met her. So like she was in our zone of awareness. That's mm-hmm. a term. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Let's say it is. Um, were you going to end this thing, Evan, with saying her name? <laughs> I was just going to say that it's been such a lot. I've known... You, you. Say <laughs> I'm not pointing. I'm not pointing Wait, at you, every Luke. Every time you're about to say it, I hear you mispronouncing it. I'm anticipating it. There's no possibility you say it right in my. Do head. you want to say it together at the same time? No, don't make him say it on his own. <laughs> don't, don't Hold on. like run behind him on his first bike ride. Let him try it himself. I'm just gonna like open up YouTube, like how to pronounce like that one channel. Oh. No. <laughs> You're going to have Microsoft Sam pronounce this. (laughs) Whatever you're going to say, I've heard worse. Okay, here's a question. 
And I guess our listeners are not really familiar, most likely, with with your name. That's true. It's not a what you might think of as a typical um, American name. Right. It's a it's an Arabic name. So typically, people in the states are who um, speak English as their native language have a hard time pronouncing it um, and tend to overpronounce it or um, try to exoticize it. Exoticize it, yeah, for lack of a better term. Um, I don't know. I think it was a fine term. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the worst? What's the worst you've ever heard? Oh, I don't want to tell you the worst I've ever heard because I feel like that will give you some you think clues. It'll inform as to how, my definition yeah. my, because it's how you say it, Evan. No, it's not. it's not. I'm not the worst. Yours is like middle range, I think. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I I will say the worst. If I can jump uh, in, I think the worst comment you've gotten on your oh. name, which she's gotten it from the same person same multiple person. times, is like, oh, that's so interesting. Did you make that up? No. Yep. Yeah, uh, this person. Did you? as a newborn come up with your name and this person like we met them at a vegan meetup and they asked that and you were like nope it's my name yep and, uh, and they're and they justify like oh because a lot of people make up their names nowadays and blah 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 and then you right. met her later and she well, said this no, no i not only met her later again but i actually purchased vegan gluten-free donuts from her so i was giving her business and the first thing she said to me again was because i had to put in my name for the order um, sorry, I speak with No, my no, hands. here, I'll tap the table for you. And as you were putting in your order, don't worry about it. I've, I've got more experience table tapping. Um, she asked me again for the second time, oh, did you make your name up? Some people make their names up and make them kind of funny or something like that for the order. Make them kind of funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also had one time a security uh, person at an airport um, look at my passport. I think I was coming through customs in the States, and he asked me if my parents were drunk when they named me. Oh, my what? goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so those wow. are probably some of the worst comments I've ever gotten. I mean, I like the idea that, um, you know how people who can't really speak, <laughs> Mute they'll, people? they'll point to a board. No, like maybe in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. maybe they have like a data stroke or something. Mm-hmm. They'll point to a board that has the letters on it. Yeah. Mm. I like to think that for this woman, you were a newborn, <laughs> and they sort of they brought this this board to you, and they let you like reach blindly out to paw at the letters. <laughs> and then empty Sam is what came out. You know. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. I see. I, that is how I would have said it. No, it's not how you would have said it. That, no, I said it correctly. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. But Evan's claiming that that's how he would have said okay, it. Okay, so Evan, say it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me do it. <laughs> this podcast okay. is 50% mine. Empty <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. right. Dude, that's it. You did it right. <laughs> I've been thinking about this all week. <laughs> oh, no. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Evan's doing like five sets of ten. He's doing like the pyramid style. He starts out saying, if you I'm quiet, and then he does it louder and louder, but in smaller sets. With more and more confidence. Yeah, more and more. <laughs> but oh dude, you did it perfectly. Good job. Mm-hmm. What's your middle name? Eileen. I know, it's like yeah. the most interesting <laughs> name and then the most generic white Followed name. Followed by a very generic last name, Brown. Okay, but that's because you chose not to change your name. Well, yes. Did you make, you made brown up though, didn't you? Isn't that (laughs) (laughs) I had one of those little color books that, you know, little kids have and I picked one. All right. And guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm sick of talking about my wife. Can we get back to the episode? Back to something I love? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just to, to lay out a little bit of groundwork. 
So they, Scooby and Shaggy are fishing on the beach. They pull up this uh, frozen I, caveman stuck in ice. One thing that I thought was kind of funny was the fact that the, the ice has not melted at any point and does not melt at any point. And it's almost well, a joke. You did point out that the weather was very overcast. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the temperature is colder. You know you did it, right? You know you did it right there, right? <laughs> we're all saying the same thing. Yes, we're all saying overcast. <laughs> Oh, man. But maybe that's part of it. Just the funny thing to me is that Fred, when they get the caveman out of the beach, says, well, we better get him to ocean land quick. He won't stay frozen for long. And it's like, obviously he will. He was just in, like, outside, like, summer temperature ocean salt water and did not melt a bit. Nor does he melt at all on the trip to ocean land. And yet when they arrive at ocean land, Velma's like, hey, if you don't, like... Shouldn't we put him in a refrigerator or something? Almost as if saying it to the writers, like, hey, can we treat this like an actual piece of ice at room temperature? How do we feel about the fact that this research facility is called Ocean Land? <laughs> How do we feel about the fact that this, like, although I could see a, like, Ocean Land kind of, like, resort for animals also doing marine life research, why would caveman prehistoric research take place here? Mm. It doesn't make sense that this would be the destination, the research destination for this artifact. What I like to think is that Oceanland is a research facility for anything that comes out of the ocean. Like, it doesn't matter. Anything. Wow. It could be like a, part, a piece of the Titanic. It's in the ocean. It's like fished up newly. Take it to Oceanland. That is what it is. Like, um, a UFO lands in the ocean. You have to take <laughs> it to Oceanland. Not Area 51. Land. It's Oceanland. No, no, no. It's got to go to Oceanland. Like, a, uh, a military drone, uh, like, falls into the ocean and, like, has vital military intel. Uh, got to go to Oceanland. They're the ones that have to head that up. I like that headcanon as well. Um... We meet a couple of scientists when we do get to Ocean Land. Uh, what is it? Professor Wayne and, and Professor, Professor Ingstrom. Uh, how would we rate them as far as desirability? <laughs> uh, is it Professor Ingstrom who looks a little bit like Charles Bronson? He's got the black, shaggier hair, I think. And the mustache. Yeah, and his mustache. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think his he, he, he looks a little bit like him to me. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're both just, like, sexually desirable, uh, really energetic, charismatic, desirable guys, right? We all wanted them. Um, I have a question about the professors or the scientists, mm -hmm. I guess. They uh, call them professors, professors throughout. I kept professors. wanting to call them doctors, but we they might not even have high school degrees for all we know. Do they, in all Scooby-Doo episodes, other than maybe the newer ones, do they tend to be white and male? Or are um, there ever female professors or people of color? Well, that's all characters, yeah. Scooby-Doo, <laughs> unless we're, like, in Chinatown, oh, and gosh. then we can count on some other people, other races. Earlier iterations of Scooby-Doo do largely skew white, and more, maybe, like, 60-40... 65, 35, male to female, as far as, like, additional characters. I, I might even say 80, 20, male to female. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen an authority figure in Scooby-Doo be female. Yeah, but you've never seen a male secretary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
but I think it, it does tend to skew very white mm -hmm. and predominantly male. Right. And, and these two guys are also the only secondary characters we get in this episode, aside from the caveman. And spoiler alert, one of them is the caveman. I mean, what we have to understand was that the <laughs> time these episodes came out, everyone was white and male. Right, yeah, exactly. like we hadn't invented other ethnicities at this point mm -hmm. just yet. Or women. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they didn't come around at that mm -hmm. point. Oh, okay. I'm not going to make that joke. Here's okay. <laughs> here's here's something I have to say. We really gloss over the fact that once they bring the caveman to the professors, the professors are like, "Oh, great. Now we can try and bring him to life." And it's like, "Oh, is that is that what you guys do here? No one questions it. No one asks a further thing about that. And when the caveman later does come to life, everyone acts shocked like, oh, what happened? Exactly what they tried to make happen is what happened. I love, too, that they use this tiny little space heater <laughs> to melt this humongous block of ice that hasn't melted throughout this whole time. And and that when the professors are like, oh, I can't wait to like help bring this caveman to life. And then they show the space heater next to the ice block and a mysterious hand from off screen, off screen comes in and, and press it turns it on it's like we know both the professors wanted to do this there's no mystery as to who wanted to do it both of them wanted to do this oh and yeah like a little space <laughs> heater melts the the caveman out of it it's very small it it's it's a very tiny it's space a lot of glow, when the gang comes in to find like the place in ruins and the uh, the ice block melted space down they see the ice block melted down they're like what happened and then they're like oh look a clue a space heater <laughs> Huh, maybe this space heater melted the... Oh, I'm not sure. It's so hard to think. Oh, maybe it melted the ice block. Um, I will say that when they come upon the room, after the caveman has ostensibly like gotten out, this might be one of the scarier crime scenes that they've come across. Because here's the thing. The door, which is a large metal door for an arctic room, so you know it's like airtight, has been ripped off of its hinges. It's like a submarine hatch in terms of how secure it should be. And we never find out by the end, as so as with so many episodes, by the way, Pisan, this is normal, how the superhuman strength was attained. Mm. How either of these professors ripped it off its hinges and like warped it. They're so unperturbed, they're just like, oh, this door has been ripped off of its hinges. They go inside, they're like, oh, everything has been tossed around. This parka that belonged to Professor Wayne has been torn apart. None of that is explained at any point. Um, we we do have a, a little bit of a clue. We have some giant footprints that we follow out to the dock, and that's where we find Professor Ingstrom um, communing with dolphins. I guess he got really into Red Alert 2 and really wanted to follow up on that a little bit. The big feet are actually a really, really important clue um, because there is a common conception about, what, like, about um, people with big feet. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the common conception? Actually, Evan, you know what? You've talked enough. Fifty Sam, you want to take it from here? What's the? Do you know what the common conception is? No, I don't want to answer that. Okay, because I don't know. I need someone to tell me. Luke, you have big feet. Oh my right? god! Right? I do. What are I actually do have? What are they like? Like, are they like ten and a half? Like, 11, Eleven. Yeah, is what's most comfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Empty Sam, you know about my big feet. Is there anything else that you could, oh. like, correlate that to, even if you don't know you what guys, the... my mom's going to see my name on this episode, and she's going to want to listen to it, so we're not doing this. Okay, well, your mom, has, I've hung out with your mom. She knows I have big feet. Do you think she knows what that means? I don't know. Like, what, what does it mean? <laughs> big feet, as everyone knows, means a big club. That's what the caveman has and carries around. 
I will say, as someone who also has fairly large feet, none of the things that they say about men with big feet are true. None of them. They say they're smart, clever, and handsome, but Evan and I both know that's not the case. Oh my gosh. I was really, I mean, like, I was 11 years old, and I looked like a clown, and I was like, oh, there are big things in my future. False. <laughs> you and I were both clomping around in real big old clogs in high school. Ah, oh, man. It's just very sobering. It's very sobering for me. Um... I, I just really love that when we come across Professor Engstrom, he's clearly communicating with dolphins using some kind of transmitter signal thing. But on top of the transmitter signal thing, he's just making noises with his mouth. Like, <laughs> like Professor Engstrom has never heard a dolphin Not before. Not even like actual dolphin sounds. Yeah, like like he's communicating. It's like the squirrels in um, uh, The Sword in the Stone. <laughs> It sounds like video game nonsense speak. But the gang, like, doesn't immediately recognize what he's doing there. They ask Scooby to sneak up on him. That's when Shaggy's a real meanie to Scooby. Scooby, like, falls on a bunch of, like, pot, like, cans and stuff like that and makes a bunch of noise. And that's when the professor says, what was that? Must have been the wind. <laughs> so he clearly comes from the Skyrim school of detecting uh, okay. disturbances. I do want to rebut this because I don't want to put it on the website. Oh? He hears the he hears a sound, and then he's like, oh, it's the wind. Then Scooby walks into buckets oh, yeah, the order. and starts, like, clomping around. And then the professor sees a hooded figure clomping around the dock and escapes. And then Fred is like, what suspicious behavior? <laughs> you know what? This guy got scared off when we scared him off. Suspicious. What is suspicious is that he goes into a dock on uh, or a, a shack on the dock and then what comes out is the caveman. I also, one just very quick thing, want to point out that um, Velma, upon witnessing mm -hmm. him communicating with the dolphin, says, um, is he talking to fish or am I dreaming? Which I guess she's dreaming because dolphins are not fish. Very interesting. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to, sorry, I had a note following up on that. Immediately after that, we have a hard zoom on Daphne's face while the professor's trying to talk to the dolphins. So there's like, Three seconds while we're just looking at Daphne blankly staring as we hear. <laughs> is it that same shot of Daphne's face that they use in every single episode? It's exactly that moment. This is a trope at this point. I recognize it all of the time. We just cut to Daphne what, looking on as Foley work happens. And then she just says like, yeah, he is communicating with dolphins. Thanks, Daphne. <laughs> Um, so the, the caveman comes out of the shack where the professor ran in. He chases everybody around. He does the Scooby Stomp Tail thing. Um, there's a whole lot of animal gags all throughout this episode, all throughout the chase scenes. Empty Sam, what was your favorite animal gag with Scooby? Uh, he probably loved them all equally, didn't you? <laughs> well, I think I already mentioned it, but the, um, the part where he... Uh, shouts into the bag where I thought he was actually throwing up into the bag was probably my favorite. And you thought that was an animal gag because the Neanderthal is an animal to you. Right? So that's... <laughs> wow. We're talking about the Scooby gags, right? Did I miss that? Oh, yeah. We, I, I thought we that's meant it. specifically Scooby gags with animals. Um, with the marine life that was around ocean. With the oh, surrounding mean life. I'm sorry. Um, As you should be. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> I, I don't remember, to be honest, all of the details of the episode. Okay, wow. Well, at least... <laughs> Well, at least I prepared for this. Let me see what happened. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, Scooby has like gags with lobsters, with like oh, uh, yeah. octopus no, and I, I hated all of those. Wait, all um, of them. 
Octopus yeah. and mommy octopus with a whale, and of course the whale's blowhole. Okay, here's my question. I... Is the reason you're vegan because you hate animals and thus do not mm. want to, you know, put them inside your body? <laughs> yeah. Part of part of why I'm vegan is um, some animals or specifically seafood really grosses me out. And so all these scenes with the lobster and the clams, I think the the caveman falls into a big clam pool or something. Maybe that's a bit later on. Well, in the at episode. the very end, he's yeah. caught because he gets caught by a clam, like a giant clam. But I think at one point a lobster comes out and grabs Scooby. It bites Scooby's. It clips Scooby's tail. Very know. common occurrence. Anything crustacean grosses me out so much. So Actually, I kind of just tuned it out. Um, clams are mollusks. Okay. So, no. <laughs> well, the lobster then. I wanted I wanted to be a zoologist when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm all about that binomial nomenclature. Um, but yeah. Next, I... you're gonna be telling me bats aren't bugs. Come <laughs> on, man, be real. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's a gag I wanted to touch on here. I I like when Scooby and Shaggy act as live fish bait, as when they're trying to bait the caveman. That was so they... weird. Why did they do that? There was no reason because they're like you, Scooby and Shaggy. You guys act as bait um, for the caveman, and then they also dress up as fish. Like they dress up as sharks from the Katy Perry performance <laughs> for no reason. The caveman's already chasing them. If anything, he'll be less likely to chase them when they become fish. And when they're in their costumes too, Shaggy and Scooby are all of a sudden the same size, or they're on the same level too. Oh yeah, they're the same they're, height they're, and both yeah. upright. Mm -hmm. Like they both st they both walk on their legs when they become fish. Mm -hmm. It's kind of confusing to me. I'm I'm skipping past a couple of things. If I can lay out a couple of clues and progressions, Velma finds a map with an X that mar marks the origin yeah. of the caveman. An ocean chart. And it looks like an old-timey scroll. Yeah, it does. And it shows kind of like where the caveman came from and was going to eventually flow down to ocean land after he fell off the, the, uh, the boat or whatever. The thing that I want to note is that Fred's like, okay, here's what we'll do. Um, uh, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby, you guys go out onto the ocean on a little rowboat and find out where this X leads. Daphne and I are going to go investigate, look for the caveman locally here. Spoiler alert. Fred and Daphne do nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, surprise, surprise. Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma go out and actually do investigate and find some clues. When they come back, Fred and Daphne have nothing to show. And my question for you, Ipti Sam, is what do you think Fred <laughs> and Daphne were doing in the meantime? I have always also disliked this about Scooby-Doo, and I'll make this the last thing that I dislike about Scooby-Doo. Um, Fred always dictates what everyone else is doing, and it drives me crazy. It's so annoying and patriarchal and frustrating. It is. And He's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man. <laughs> He's the handsomest, whitest Naturally male. Naturally has to be the person in charge. Yes, but obviously. I don't know. I feel like if they came up with a cohesive plan at the start that they all pitched in on together, things would go a lot more smoothly. But then Luke tells me things like, well, then there wouldn't be story and there wouldn't be um, all these events that well, come up. You watched the episode before I watched it and you were telling me, you're like, why don't they come up with a plan at the start rather than like incrementally as the episode goes on? And at first I was like, well, you know, if they solved it at the beginning, there'd be no mystery. But then I watched the episode and I think yours is a pretty valid criticism. <laughs> Because at the very end, and I'll, I'll say what Scooby, uh, Shaggy, and Velma find on the ocean in a second, but at the very end, but, like, they have all these clues, and Fred's like, we got all these clues, but I'm not sure what it puts together. And then Velma says, well, I guess we just got to trap the monster to solve the mystery. 
okay, we could have done that at yeah. any point. None of the clues As soon as the us... caveman appeared, yeah. they could have tried to tra trap him. They don't use any of the clues to trap him, nor do they even do the thing where it's like, ah, oh, we've, I think I know what's going on. Let's trap the monster. They just, they just catch him. But when they do go out on the ocean, they basically find like a floating shack with an ice machine inside mm -hmm. of it. No, it is, it is a, sh it is a boat. Oh, it's a boat. It has, it's an actual boat. And, and here's, I do, I did like this a lot. They go inside of, I guess, like this cabin on the boat and they find an ice machine. And I don't mean like an ice machine that you would put your cup under and little cubes come out. I mean, cubes that are it's like. It's like that, but the cubes like are four man foot size. by four foot, kind of like enormous blocks. Um, and then a hand uh, slams the door and traps him inside. And then, and I think that this is not unprecedented, but very uncommon. Their lives are in danger. Yes, because the ice machine gets turned on and it's cranking out ice and they're going to get crushed inside there by all the ice, crushed ice. What well, were you going to say, what they say, I think Fred says um, in this Well, part, he's not in there. Oh, not Fred. This is uh, Shaggy, uh, Scooby, and Velma. So Velma oh. says it, I think. Velma says it, that they're going to, if they don't get out, they're going to be frozen to death or something like that, which confused me because I thought they were just going to fill up with water and then they'd freeze, but really they're just going to get crushed to death, which is really terrifying. Yeah, you'll um, be crushed before you're frozen. By massive blocks of ice. Right, mm. right. And it and it's scary because, like, Scooby, after being given a Scooby snack by Shaggy, here's the thing, okay, Velma is definitely, I mean, I want to call her definitely the smartest, but she called a dolphin a fish, <laughs> but typically Velma is, like, the brains of the group. Yeah. And Shaggy, instead of consulting his friend who wears glasses, that's how you know she's smart, instead turns to his dog and says, gives him a treat, and it's like, okay, Scooby, you come up with something. In in Shaggy's defense, before he does that, Velma does say, oh no, what are we gonna do? We haven't much time. Somebody think of something fast. And he doesn't use the Scooby snack as incentive. He just gives him the Scooby snack as if it's spinach that's gonna help Scooby think of something. Like Popeye, you know what I mean? And then Scooby has my favorite gag of the episode. This is your favorite gag? My favorite gag is Scooby using one of the ice blocks as a skateboard to skate towards the door. It then hits the door, and my fa here's my favorite part. The block hits the door keyhole so hard, it grinds through the keyhole, and out the other side comes an ice key that they can use mm, I don't that to is open. That's 100% not true. If you could please reprimand Luke for me, I would really okay. appreciate that. Okay, that is what I thought happened. Tell me what happened. I don't know if this is accurate because, again, I wasn't mm -hmm. maybe paying as much attention as I should have been. <laughs> but okay. when he is on the block of ice, he's got one of those ice picks that's made out of metal. It's and an I, ice clamp, yeah, that yeah. he's using almost as like the cup, like the clip. It looks like uh, calipers. Yeah. Yes. So I think maybe that goes through the keyhole, mm -hmm. no? Or there's like a key on the other, I nope, don't know. Nope, also but not I, the case. No, 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 that is correct. Key. What nope. you just said is correct. It's not an ice key. The key is on the other side of the door. It's in the keyhole. The oh. ice block hits a door with such force that the key shakes out and falls on the other side. Then they slip a hand under the door, grab it, and unlock the door. I that thought that sense. was the case at first, but then I I believe I oh corrected my myself that it was actually ice. Give me a moment. I want to double check this. I'm going to watch it again, too, because you're wrong. <laughs> watch. What? It forced through in the shape of a key. <laughs> right? Right? Well, okay, I guess. Wait, 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 wait. 
I just need confirmation from from uh, from Minnesota that Luke didn't just record that a long time ago <laughs> and play a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Luke is right here. No, no, actually, Evan's right on this one. I, I grabbed tiny little clips from other episodes where Velma said, Look, it forced through in the shape of a keep. <laughs> but no, look, Evan, I you were not unreasonable to think that's what happened. That would have been the much more sensible thing to do, but I love that they went so far into wacky land to say that the ice ground through the keyhole and that the result of that is a perfectly formed functional key with enough structural integrity to use it. That is, I can now understand why that would be your favorite gag. That's my, easily my favorite part. I love that. Right now, the clip that you paused it on, it has um, Velma standing behind a window, which they really should have just broken that <laughs> window and climbed through the it's window. It's a porthole that at least Shaggy could have yeah, fit through very easily. I do think, like, the tension really ramps up because when they get out, the ice is, like, pushing them against the door. Like, the room is that full of ice. Mm. Mm. That is true. That is, I guess, the most tense moment of this episode. Certainly the chase scene for once we bait the monster and it starts chasing us, or I guess right before that, um, is not as tense. It's just kind of a tour of ocean land. I do Um, want to mention that the way that they get back to shore, they see that their rowboat has been scuttled. I think that's the correct nautical term. <laughs> and they're like, oh, how will we now return to shore? Instead of using this boat that we're on, we will use a block of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that too attributes to the fact that I thought it was just like a, a platform on the sea, like a, a floating shack. But it was a boat. But no, they ride back on a block of ice, which they're lucky ice doesn't melt in this world unless there's a small space here <laughs> next to it. <laughs> I, I just want to say I like... Oh, when everybody, uh, when Scooby and Shaggy bait the monster and then they, like, uh, the trap backfires, we have a danger-prone Daphne moment. And I think this is our first genuine danger-prone Daphne moment yet on the podcast. It's the first time I've ever heard that term verbalized. Because, like, uh, Scooby and Shaggy run under, they're running under the net trying to lead the monster through, and then Daphne leans over for no good reason. She's like, like a child. She's like the kid that got Harambe killed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, Harambe killed a kid. I forgot about that. Harambe didn't kill the kid. The kid killed Harambe. Right. Okay. Correct. I mean, the Harambe kid didn't, didn't kill do, Har- Harambe. did nothing wrong. Harambe did nothing wrong. He was going to do something, though. I mean, like, let's let's be honest. He was going to kill somebody. But the kid leaned over, and that's the reason. And, and similarly here, Daphne had no reason to lean over. They weren't going to, like, grab Scooby and Shaggy and bring them up as the net fell down. Um, but she grabs everyone and draws them all out. The, the mean part to me is that after she does that, Fred says, Danger-prone Daphne did it again. And it's such a thing to do. <laughs> Sorry, I'll bleep that. But seriously, Fred. No, it's true. Only someone with a d- would do that. <laughs> yeah. By which I mean it's solid, it's awesome, and I give him full leave to do it. I think he's contributed so little in this episode, and then he's just <laughs> yelling yeah. at Daphne. It's so rude. In my mind, at this point, Fred has done this. He said, oh, we should go check this out on the ocean. Shaggy says, okay, you're going to do that, Fred? And Fred says, no, you're going to do it. Daphne and I are going to stick around, parentheses, to make out. (laughs) And then later, he's tearing Daphne down. And he's saying, danger-prone Daphne does it again. 
Fred is such a jerk. He's so disposable, too, in this episode. I really want to see Daphne just be like, Fred, I let you kiss me. <laughs> Fred, you told me you loved me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you said I was okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. What, what follows is a musical chasing, and I want to draw attention to the, uh, to the song. I loved it. It's called Seven Days a Week. <laughs> it is a much more grounded version of a Beatles song that came out six years earlier. And it made me think of other more realistic Beatles songs, such as <laughs> Strawberry Fields for a Long Time. <laughs> um, um, but it was like, it's, it's actually a really great song, and I quite enjoyed it. It's also kind of in the Beatles style, I think. I, I really like the song, too, and it made me um, wonder if you guys could change the soundtrack to Scooby-Doo episodes like this. Would you do anything differently, or are you really attached to the kind of orchestral and then... Um, Beatlesque songs. Like yeah, I mean later. the musical chase scene could be any kind of music, yeah. but everything else is very much like Scooby Doo music. Yeah, it like, reminded me of like Tom and Jerry. That kind of stuff. Yeah, that very kind classic of stuff. cartoon things. If you had to change it, because uh, I yeah. wouldn't, I personally would. You not. wouldn't. And I, I, I've said elsewhere, and I'll say it now. I love the original Scooby Doo soundtrack. It's original. It's composed. And I think it matches the show perfectly. I, if anything, I wish they would bring this kind of music back for the new series that they do. Mm. So you want more of it? <laughs> I love it. And the nostalgia, I mean, I think a big part of the difference between your experience, Ipti Sam, and my mm. experience is the nostalgia, which is so strong for me. I mean, again, it's like if you had never seen Casablanca as a kid, <laughs> that classic kid You know kid what, I'm movie. sure that Ipti Sam has many things that she's nostalgic for that you cannot relate to. Things that make you want to play it again, Sam. <laughs> it's a Casablanca line, Evan. I see you, I see you searching. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen Casablanca. Uh, that's because you didn't see it as a kid. Oh Your parents didn't, like, turn it on for you <laughs> when they wanted to go do something else. Can we, can we cut to the caveman getting caught? Because it has, for me, the most unnerving moment in the mm. entire episode. That is, when the caveman is uh, ripped out of his own skin. He falls into a giant clam enclosure. The clam is not as big as I thought it was going to be, but it, it does have the caveman um, by the loincloth, and the caveman starts to scream like a, I guess like a human being. Yeah, after like a whole episode of yelping like a trapped coyote, he uh, he finally speaks like a human and says like, help, help, I need help. And the gang's like, oh, this caveman speaks English. And then they, Shaggy throws him a line, uh, catch it, the caveman catches it, and when they yank on it, again, like he's, he's ripped out of the caveman's skin like a, a banana squirted out of a banana squirted? peel. Squirted? <laughs> what kind of bananas are you eating? <laughs> yeah, my bananas are real wet. <laughs> Babe, you know my banana's real wet. I'm married. You know this about me. <laughs> oh, don't be like that, guys. I'm talking about fruit of the loom. Right? My parents can't listen to this podcast. But yeah, he's pulled out of the skin. He molts out of he it. He molts out of it. Yeah, it's really nasty. And we find out that the villain mm -hmm. is, if I may reveal, Professor Wayne. Batman himself. Not Professor Ingstrom, who is so suspiciously... Here's the thing. He he's very suspiciously says, I'm going to go to the docks for uh, research. 
Research <laughs> looks to the sides really quickly. And then the gang finds him, and he's actually doing research. And then they scare him away, and then they're like, this guy is up to something. This guy is so suspicious. What a jumpy dude. And, uh, <laughs> they did not do a very good job, for, to me, of making me think that Professor Ingstrom was in fact the culprit. I think the red herring framing, the fact that we know the person we first think it is can't be the person who it actually is, is what made me think it's not Professor Ringstrom. But something that's not explained by the end that does make it look like he's the villain is that he goes into that cabin on the dock or that shack and the caveman comes out. And we never know where Ingstrom went in that exchange. Or if he just went, he immediately crossed paths with the caveman, just nodded like, have a good day. Oh, and you too. <laughs> and then they just, and the caveman went... <laughs> or basically like, oh, Professor Wayne, nice caveman outfit. <laughs> Professor Ingstrom is not impacted by the caveman at all he's in this not, episode. If anything, he's only inconvenienced by the gang. Exa yeah. In his mind, he's trying to call the sheriff on the gang. <laughs> that's, that's who he's trying to report. But it is Professor Wayne. And I think you said at the end of this episode, I heard you say like, why... Is the sheriff arresting Professor Wayne? <laughs> yes. What did he do that broke? What did he do that broke the law? He tried to kill those kids on the ship with the ice. I don't think we can actually That's prove that was true, him. We don't but... see the caveman on that ship at any point. We see someone else. That was Professor Ingstrom. We see that, but we don't see Professor Ingstrom. <laughs> no, I sorry, I was just kidding. But can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the most discomforting thing to me about mm -hmm. um, Dr. Wayne being sucked out of the caveman uh, suit is it reminds me of um, the guy in uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Um, you're referring to the uh, the cockroach man. Oh. Yeah, because he has, like, the ill-fitting, like, human suit. Yeah. It, I, That's what it made me it think It makes of. me think of just, like, the visceral, like, Adult Swim-esque gag where someone's skin is ripped off and you see all the muscle underneath. Oh, I really do not like that. <laughs> but that's what it made me think of. And since when he's slurped out, again, slurped out of his caveman skin. Why it's are just you a, using these words? It's just... <laughs> I don't remember those sounds being in there. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> wet about what took place. You're, you're retroactively adding lubricant to the situation. <laughs> All things that happen. Uh, but like when he comes out... Uh, we don't see the human body within, so there could be, like, we don't know what is within there. Maybe it is caveman flesh. But, um, I mean, it ends with the sheriff arresting. <laughs> what, what is it, love of my loins? Why are you looking at me that way? <laughs> love of my loincloth. Uh, but that is pretty much the end of the episode, with the sheriff arresting uh, the, uh, Professor Wayne. Do you guys have any other big thoughts on what happens in the episode, or just just big thoughts in general? Um, this probably doesn't fit in here, but I realized as I was watching Scooby-Doo that my favorite scenes in every Scooby-Doo episode are when they're sitting at a restaurant or a diner eating and not doing anything else or just chatting and eating. Um, those are the most comforting scenes to me, the most enjoyable. If all of Scooby-Doo was just them sitting at a restaurant, I would enjoy it so much. I, That's how I feel. You know, I love Scooby-Doo, but I actually don't hate the idea of that. <laughs> <laughs> like if every episode of Scooby-Doo was a bottle episode in the in a mall shop. I, I don't think you'd even have to change the characters to have Fred and Daphne and Velma stay in the malt shop the whole time and just send Scooby and Shaggy out on errands to, <laughs> to actually do the investigating. You don't have to change any character dynamics. That's true. 
Uh, but it ends in the malt shop, and I agree with you, I really like that. I also really like that Shaggy and Velma are dancing together at the end of and it. And they're, like, really getting down. They're getting down. They're, like, pretty good at animated. dancing. They're, like, actually, yeah, they're getting into it. I really like that moment. Not as much as the malt... I, I like it more <laughs> than the moment where we cut to Scooby dancing with the desiccated... The flesh suits. Yeah, the flesh suit of the caveman. That was so nasty. So nasty. It's really disgusting. At first, I'm like, why are they really giving this loving animation to, to Shaggy and Velma? And I don't know. Like, it was so lovingly rendered the way the skin mm. kind of, like, flopped around fluidly. Oh. <laughs> and that's the thing, is they animated Shaggy and Velma so well because they were then going to animate the empty flesh sack of the... <laughs> caveman so well and it was gross that's that's just about it the only other thing i want to say about this episode is that at one point when they're in the diner there's all these like uh you discarded dishes and plates all over the place because they just ate a ton of food and shaggy's like ah what else is there to eat and velma says oh well there's just these two pieces of bread and an ice cube and an ice cube (laughs) and shaggy makes a sandwich out of that and smashes it down i mean what else do vegetarians eat right that is the ultimate it is not just vegetarian (laughs) it's a vegan exactly that's a vegan meal that's that is this the exact yeah. behind the scenes progression is that Casey Kasem's like, I hate that you made Shaggy eat a hot dog at the beginning of this episode. I need him to eat something no. vegan later on. And, and then, then this is the writers. The writers came up like, with things. Fine. Here's two pieces of bread and an ice cube. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I do want to mention, hmm. for the sake of the mystery, the reason Professor Wayne dressed up as a caveman and then faked his own death was because he wanted Wayne. Sorry, Professor Ingstrom's uh, talking to marine life machine. Yeah, so the thing was that he there was an actual caveman that fell off an actual ship. That thing scene we saw at the beginning did happen. But that caveman presumably melted and there's a bloated caveman corpse washing up on a shore somewhere. Um, Professor Wayne made a fake caveman, put it in ice... Um, like dropped it off on the ocean and planned for the currents to bring it to ocean land where he would f- melt it, then swap it out with himself in a costume so that he could kid- he could steal Ingstrom's invention because the only way he could get away with stealing an invention and not it being pinned on him is if he makes people think a caveman stole it. Because the only person... And also that he died. <laughs> yeah. Because he 100% fakes his own death. A torn up parka... He's pretty, like, frightening. Yeah. I, it does imply that he's kidnapped by the caveman. Just that the crazy thing to me is that he thinks that, like, people will think that the caveman also stole this doll, this marine life communicating device. Like, why would that be a good cover? Why would the caveman want that? Um, my question for T-Sam is... Evan. I said that a little off <laughs> that wow. time. You... You I know. could have ended I, the- as it as it exited my lips, I was like, "Ah, oh, my streak combo You're breaker." You're one for two, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. No, I've said it more than twice. Um, <laughs> would you would you do this again? Would I watch this episode again? Would you be on this podcast again? Would you watch an episode <laughs> and come on the podcast again? I would. I I feel like it would not help your podcast at all. Like you guys are great, and I I feel like the Debbie Downer of your podcast. So I I actually have enjoyed this so much. I've oh. loved having you on right now. Well, thank you. But uh, yeah, I would totally do it again. Um, I'd be interested in seeing later Scooby Doo episodes. Maybe not such early iterations. Like this is season two, episode three. Maybe season two, episode four, like five. <laughs> I was going to mention um, the gang. They hate this caveman. They hate the sight of him before he's ever come to life. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And it actually lines up with the fact that they just hate old people. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, I mean, the show gets way, way more sensitive and politically correct as new iterations come about. Yeah. So perhaps when we have you on next, when, not if, we'll do a more recent iteration that I think you might find a little bit more enjoyable. And I, I think yesterday you and I were talking, Luke, and I mentioned that um, Scooby-Doo episodes where they travel to other places, at least as a kid, were a lot more relatable to me because uh, so much of Scooby-Doo feels like the Hardy Boys. It feels very American and old-timey and 50s to me, and so I, I had a hard time as a kid relating to it. But... You, you like that more in a colonial, racist <laughs> context, and that's kind of what you want to see. I can relate to a little bit more, unfortunately. They do do some globetrotting. Yeah, I can't relate to colonizing at all, but that's just <laughs> yeah. me. I understand that the two of you may have more of a point of reference. Oh but... <laughs> it's pretty great stuff, man. I mean, I gotta, I'll, I'll introduce you sometime. There's some, there's some cool stuff to check out. You're going to have to edit that. It's not horrible. You don't. You, have, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. I really don't. You're the least racist of the three of us, easily. <laughs> and I'm I the second least racist. I refuse to let that be the case. <laughs> I don't know if you can decide that. <laughs> it goes, you, me, Evan. Oh, my God. And it's Evan is not racist. I am just super not racist. Oh, and you are wow. super, super not it's racist. It's true. You have an Asian friend, case in point. Yeah, there so how go. could I be racist? Exactly. And I have a woman wife. How could I be sexist? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't gay men the most sexist of them all? Because uh, they so only true. they only want to be with men. Oh Yuck. man, it's Pride Month. We can't. I can't make those jokes. I'm proud of my bigotry. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed having you on this episode, Ipty Sam. I think I, I guess my big thought outside of the episode we just saw, just having you on, knowing how you feel about Scooby Doo, I think it's really great having someone on who's coming from a place of not strong nostalgia for the series because not everybody watched this as a kid and i think it's interesting to, to get a perspective of what what's it like to see this if you didn't see it as a kid and uh i guess the the verdict is it might not hold up as much maybe but also too i i should say that um hearing you guys talk about scooby-doo after seeing an episode is uh it's really cool because you guys notice a lot of things and are able to pick out a lot of stuff and i am really impressed with both of you do you think we give it too much leeway we're too uh we're too easy on it because we saw it as kids question to both of you i mean i call out the racist stuff a lot yeah. and i and i feel like we both call out the the silly storytelling stuff and the clunky animation when it happens too and you guys seem to enjoy the clunkiness and the poor animation. At least you do. At That's least. part of the charm for me. You, Evan. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think you're nodding your head. Yes. You, yeah. you like that too. Evan, Evan loves the racism. <laughs> That's his favorite part, honestly. <laughs> well, well, that's our whole episode. Any final thoughts? Anything you guys want to say before we, we click stop and enjoy the outro? I just want to say thank you for letting, ye letting Luke... <laughs> I don't know how I want to marry her. <laughs> I mean, definitely that. Thank you for was, living with me. I was there, and I'm still a little surprised by it. At the oh wedding, and you're like, man, this is this is happening. There's no guns to anyone's backs here. Nobody's pregnant. There's just like, this is just a, yeah, a gun. It was a gunless. <laughs> okay, we, our listeners can't see the facial expressions that were just made. I mean, I. I, there, there was a gun, Nobody but it was, was full of blanks, so oh there, you know, wow. no one was... Okay, um, uh, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. I thought this was very delightful. I had a very good time, and I thought you added a lot 
to it, actually. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I, I, also, I just really enjoyed having you on. It's a lot of fun getting to talk <laughs> to two of my favorite people. And uh, Evan, you're one of, uh, you are perhaps my very best friend, Ipti Sam. You're okay. <laughs> and I love you very much, Evan. Uh, this is just so much fun. <laughs> that was so well done. You looked over and you said. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, join us next time to hear about the divorce proceedings. <laughs> It's so funny, I will also be officiating that. Yeah, you will. (laughs) Dearly beloved, welcome to the outro, Love of My Life and Ipti Sam. (laughs) This has been such a fun episode to record. I hope that I get to retain both a, a, a best friendship and a marriage at the end of this. Sounds like it's a no to that. Sounds like that's a maybe not. How do you think we did? Did we do good? I thought it was great. I just you. I feel like Evan. You like it's great for you because you're like, oh, we have an extra person to water down Luke in this episode. <laughs> hmm. Well, it was a lot of fun, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this, um, and I love you, Evan. Oh wow, I love you too, T Sam. I love you, Evan. Darn, it sucks that his audio cut out right after he said that thing to you, but he probably would have said it to me too, right? I think he's still there, Luke. Well, since he's not saying anything, we'll have to assume that he cut out. I mean, and I, I guess can, you and I will have to do the outro, just you and me. I can see him. His camera's not frozen or anything. He's still there. No, I think that's just like a very fluid glitch. Hey, Evan, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. No. Uh, oh. Oh, I think... Cool. I think that's just a leftover. Like, that just caught up now. <laughs> that's just lag catching up. No, I think it was pretty smooth. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I'm here. I'm, I'm still on. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, don't... you heard the whole thing, right, Evan? Yeah. From start to finish, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't hear anything, honestly. So, Ipti Sam, where can people follow up with us? Um, they can follow up on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, there's all those handles that start with Scooby-Doo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also give money on Patreon. Yeah, so... Uh, that's good. Uh, Twitter, that. at something like that. Yeah. Facebook.com <laughs> slash something like that. Scooby-Doods. Um, something like that.com. You are captions, screenshots, show notes, and corrections. Uh, original art by lots of great artists. Um, oh, yeah. We do have a new artist. I should probably oh. shout them out in this outro. Um, I love you, Ipti Sam. Give you guys a five-star review on iTunes. Wow, I'm not used to getting ghosted by you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you, too. <laughs> Um, Twitter, it's at the Scooby Dudes. Facebook, Scooby Dudes. Scooby Dudes.com is our website. Uh, Give us a five star review on iTunes, and Evan will read it on air Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Uh, If we go to Patreon.com, you'll be able to donate to us. Our beloved donors keep the lights on on this podcast, and they make it possible for us to continue commissioning paid original Scooby-Doo art. And the artists that we have this week could not be more special. We could not be more thankful to have them. Evan, could you remind me who we're so lucky to have? So, um, our artist, one of the monikers that they go by is Odango. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You can find them at both Twitter and Tumblr. It's the same handle... Uh, delicious butts. Mm. <laughs> I actually do have a five-star review to read. Really? Oh, lay it on us, man. This is from R-B-U-N, R-B-U-N 97. Uh, it's from the States. It was left for us on May 16th, 2018, and it is five stars. Um, and it's the title of the review is Luke and Evan, comma, better do, I think that should be duo, than Scooby and Shaggy. 
I guess, do you think they're trying to do a do pun on duo? Um, I think it was just a typo, but it might not be. I mean, it doesn't work either way, so. What did they have to say? Uh, they have a fantastic dynamic, and their long history together really shows, which definitely adds something to the show. I've gone through 15-ish episodes in about a week. I've barely listened to music since I stumbled upon this podcast. This is just what any Scooby-Doo fan wants. Wow. First of all, thank you. That means a lot. Second of all, get help. Like, that's not, that's not normal. You know what? I actually, I thought about that. I feel like I've mentioned this before. I love the idea of people running to our podcast. What, you mean like sprinting through it? Like powering 15 episodes? <laughs> no, no, I mean like going on runs. Oh. oh. Exercising I've, to the podcast? Know, I've listened to your podcast at the gym, but I've had to stop doing that because I'll sometimes laugh out of nowhere and it looks really <laughs> weird. So if you're running out, you know, in nature, that's a little bit different. But yeah, uh, most people stop listening because it makes them laugh. That's the main thing. <laughs> I think the thing is that like most people don't laugh like Luke does, mm. which is gradually louder and louder and louder <laughs> as that <laughs> laughter <laughs> goes on. <laughs> My freaking terrible laugh. <laughs> that one is a little new, actually. <laughs> Uh, that should be it. I think we hit all our social media. Go to our website, ScoobyDudes.com. Just to say that we do shout out our patrons, not just the first oh, time they yes. donate, but every single week. Because it's a recurring donation, it's a recurring shout out. So, here are all of our beloved donors. Thank you to these people for enabling us to keep the lights on and commission original title card art every day. That we commission original title card art, which is once a week. <laughs> <laughs> on weeks where we don't do it ourselves. <laughs> Thank you to these people. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, enabling is such a great term. They're really. <laughs> this is a problem, and they are. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like empty Sam. Empty Sam is. I I say my life partner is legally my wife, but is functionally my enabler. <laughs> that is the primary role that you hold. Yeah. And also maybe like my caretaker, I think is not an inaccurate <laughs> way to put it. Oh, 100%. PCA. Okay, Evan, you're a little quick to jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ipti Sam, for joining us. Thanks One more time me. just to say that I, uh, both Ipti Sam and I love you, Evan. <laughs> we love you, Evan. Right, Ipti Sam? Yeah, I love you, Evan. Yeah, we love you, Evan. And I love, and I love her. Well, I'm with her. <laughs> wow, this is really tense, guys. Hmm. Hmm. It ended a bit ago, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs>